a listener production. You are listening to episode seven of the Howie Games Artist Series, part B, featuring all-round star Andy Lee. What I've learnt doing a hundred odd of these, Andy, is that for every athlete and now artist that has tremendous success, there are failures along the way. Mm-hmm. So it blows up. Channel 31's going well. And then you get an opportunity. It's like you got picked to play for Australia. I don't know whether it was before you're ready to play for Australia. I don't no, know. No, literally not ready. Right. Yeah. And you get picked at Channel 7 to headline a show. Mm-hmm. What's the phone call when you get it and you jump? Like, <laughs> Do you, This is, again, speaks to how stupid we are from time to time, but I was working at a roof rack store at the time. Which uh, apparently now you the, you own a roof rack store. I, I now own the same roof rack A lot store. of people don't realise that you own a roof rack store. So if I need to get some roof racks, Tonto, yeah. where do I go? Oh, roof carry assistance. <laughs> oh, roof carry assistance. Yeah, in Camberwell. Okay. Um, so, yeah, no, I was working there. The reason why I was working there with a friend of mine, Paul, Best mate, Paul stayed there, kept managing it, and Paul ended up marrying my sister. And he did 20 years at the roof rack store, and I did about three. <laughs> and I said to him, hey, you know, you've been here for 20 years, you married my sister, we should buy it, we should buy it, we should do this, make it a family business. And, um, <laughs> and so, so that's how that's all come about, which is really nice. And, uh, and now they're, they're my sister and, and him are running it, and they do a great job. But um, The roof rack it, business going well? Yeah, well... Yeah, it's been closed because of lockdown. But she's opening but up now. She's Everyone opening wants up. to get on the road. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we're hoping for a big summer. But um, yeah, I was working at the, the store and I got a call uh, and uh, it's, it's uh, this fellow said, hi, it's Guy Rundle here from Channel 7. We'd like to talk to you and Hamish uh, about coming down to audition for a, a new show on Channel 7. And I was convinced it was Whipper from Fitz and Whipper because <laughs> Whipper and I were mates from, from high school. <laughs> so I thought he was pranking me. So I said to this guy, this guy whose name's Guy, I was like, oh, yeah, you can't effing afford us, right? <laughs> he's like, oh, I think we can. You know, I think we can. He goes, it's, a, it's, you know, it's, a, it's going to be a prominent show for Channel 7. And I was like, yeah, look, no, not interested unless it's, unless it's big cash. And I'm, talking, like, I'm telling this guy. <laughs> You're he's Channel like, 31, man. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, then I went, anyway, Whipper, what are we doing? What are we doing this weekend? Are, you, are we catching up? And he's like, Sorry, I think you think I'm someone else. And I said, I think I know when a mate of mine is pranking me. Whipper, drop it. What are we doing? And the guy said, oh, I'll call back later and hung up. Well, that's a bit weird. So I rang Whipper and went, what's, what's all that about? And he goes, what's all what about? <laughs> and so I thought to myself, do I tell Hamish that I've got this call and told him to F off? <laughs> but I asked for a big check as well. Yeah. At least you did that. <laughs> Or do I let that one slide for a little bit? And so I decided not to tell home. But thankfully, at six o'clock um, uh, after the shift, a guy rang back again and said, hey, I'm not sure what was happening earlier. And you know when suddenly you go overly polite and you sound British? <laughs> I was like, yes, sir. Of course, yes, no problem. Yeah, yeah no, we'd be very interested. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's how it, it, it all began. But the hard part for us was Hamish and I were the last – um, members added to a comedy group and it was meant to be a sketch comedy show, you know, and so we're the last actors, performers. And in that group, you know, Chris Lilly's in there doing Mr. G, um, uh, Kate McLennan from Get Cracking, McLen- um, an, an amazing performers and the catering show. Andrew O'Keefe was in there as an improvised wow. performer. Um, some other great writers. And 
Hayman and I got put in there and we were like, oh, this will be interesting. And then within about four weeks, they changed the name of the show. It was meant to be called The, the Big Bite. They changed, uh, they changed the name to the show to Hamish and Andy. 7.30 Sunday night, 7.30 Sunday night, 7.30. What are you su- doing? Nothing. You know it's illegal to sublim in the advertise. Oh, is it? Stop it. Stop it. Something new to seven on Sunday nights. That's how you do it. Yeah, you're right. They didn't consult us. They changed it and they told the cast before telling us because we were out filming something and it created a really uneasy and uncomfortable place for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we were 21, I think, or 22, um, trying to find our feet. So, yeah, the show lasted six weeks. It was it was a, a mismatch of, um, you know, some bits I'm proud of, but it, it had a lot of different chefs trying to put different bits and pieces in. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Andy Lee. I'm Hamish Blake, and welcome to the second ever show. Yeah. Uh, we were just contracted to do one. I kind of liked it last week, and we're back, so that's great. It's remarkable, uh, actually. We might even be back next week. You don't know. Don't get your chickens, home <laughs> Now, medical news for this week. And do you get a tap on the shoulder again? Does Guy ring you again and say you're cancelled? Well, we, it was interesting for us. We got called up to... Um, uh, head, head of Channel 7, Grant Rule was a the guy there and, and another guy who's just passed away, Brad Lyons, who was there yep, for a long time. Yeah, and um, they said, hey, look, the show's not working, but we love what you guys are doing. We'd like to put you guys on a retainer. Um, special projects. So, this, is, that, the, this that, is the aim of TV, <laughs> to be given special projects. For those that don't understand, it means you get paid a packet to do absolutely bugger all. Nothing. It's the choice yeah, in yeah. TV. So he said, we don't, and we didn't even know what a retainer was, so the idea was they would pay us just to not go anywhere else. They're worried that we might go to another network. Back in those days, a network could afford it. Yes. They can't really do that anymore. No. So, you know, 22-year-olds trying to understand what this, this whole thing is. And they said, just, you know, we haven't told everybody yet that, um, but we will tell them later on at five o'clock. So it was about 10 in the morning, I think, and we walked back down and it's only then you realize how many people are working with you Mm. and how many people are working for this show because it's stopped in your head and you walk into an office with people running for scripts and props and wardrobe working on wigs and asking questions and someone, a writer comes from the side and said, hey, we're thinking of changing this to this, this and this. And we're like, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. And the producer's going, well, maybe this should be this. And Hamish and I are going, oh my God, I just don't know. And we were answering these questions knowing that we're never going to make any of this stuff. Oh. And it was so, it was a great thing to take in because it's never, it, it sat with me the whole time. as just how many people work on shows. You know, there would have been 40, 50 people. So, and they're about to be told they don't have a job. So just always respect and acknowledge and be grateful for that amount of worker bees going about their business. Mm. And their job is to not bother you. You know, their job is to give you the environment to make the show as best as you can. And they do it so well. You've got to remember to show gratitude for that. And so we had a few hours of just Hayman and I locked ourselves in a room and said, oh, we're going to do some scripting because we just wanted to sit there. Didn't want to be out there and among everybody. And then sure enough, the the powers of B came down and um, they told everybody and, um, you know, people just grab boxes. They, they just used to it in the industry. And, Off they go. And just start packing desks and, you know, you'll finish up what you need to do and that was it. So what did you and Haim learn from failure and why it failed and what you wouldn't allow to happen moving mm. forward. I, I always think you learn far more from failures than you do from success. No doubt. 
um, the first one for us was let's not let's let we incorporated radio karate pretty much after it and said let's only make the shows we want to make we're going to fail let's make let's fail doing what we like because mm. there's nothing worse than you know, the reviews are pretty bad at times <laughs> nothing worse than reading a review about something that was poorly written not funny and stuff and you're like oh, well I got handed this I had to, had to do it does a review hurt you if it's negative uh, at that stage yeah ish. We were pretty naive. Yeah. Like, like well, any, anything's possible at 21, yeah, isn't it? Couldn't, 22. Could, couldn't, be, couldn't believe they'd even given to us. You know, <laughs> prob- probably agreeing with a lot of what they're saying. Uh, okay. um, there was one particular um, journalist who I won't name um, because he's still around, but um, we had to do all the press and that's really new. Suddenly you're getting flown, you know, we got flown to Sydney for a press tour and you get your own hotel room. You can't believe it. Pay for the minibar. Yeah. <laughs> And we met with one journalist who said, um, a prominent TV writer, and he said, I said, well, he said, like, you don't, you're not ready. You're like, in, he's, I've seen, I've seen the part, you're not ready, you're too young, you shouldn't be prime time, that's what he's saying. So you're like, okay, how am I going to convince this guy to write something good about the show? And we said, oh, well, what would you be, what would your advice be then? What would your advice be to two young people? And he said, don't do it, you know, on the eve of your show. <laughs> And good luck. <laughs> so we talk about, though, we were lucky that it was axed because it was, it, it could have survived. If Channel 7 go, let's just stick this with it, and it might have done 10 episodes instead of six, or it might have done two seasons and been more late night, we wouldn't have gone and done the other things that we want to do with passion because we still would have had a job. And but you just become insignificant, and I think that's that's worse than than not having a job. Mm. Um, I feel that with you know some different footy clubs and cricket clubs and so on. At times, you're like worse than bad performance is just being insignificant, no one caring about you. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And, and so you know, thankfully, we got axed, and thankfully, the wave. And this is what the media works sometimes. There's probably a couple of them that were having goes at us as soon as we get axed, like. How dare Channel Seven take two twenty-two-year-olds and and put them on primetime television and then axe them straight away? These guys actually did have something to do. So there was this glow of us being hard done by that you know probably propelled us a little bit further as well. Get rid of David T. Get rid of David T. Get rid of David T. Oh, yeah. no, why they get rid of David T? <laughs> that, that, that's the back page three days in a row, and then poor David T. He's out. That that's so the the radio. Mm. Sort of 10 years, the highest rated radio show in Australian history, 20% share, which nowadays if you've got a breakfast show and you're at 8%, you're flying. Mm. Like 20% are incredible numbers. Why the success of that show, do you reckon? Um, I'm, look, I'm proud of the content, so let's put that aside. I think we got a lot of luck again. You know, I tend to I'll come back to this, but even even smaller things that people wouldn't realise Radio stations at the time had, had decided to stop battling out drive. They weren't putting in prominent shows in there with due respect to um, uh, Marty and, and Fief were probably the only one, the shebang. Marty Shego and Fifi Box um, were on drive uh, on Triple M and I think they were just planning to move them to Sydney breakfast. So that everyone had just decided to not compete and drive that much. Um, and so we, we go into a slot which is not ultra-competitive um, in, we went in there 2006, I think you think of 2000, early 2000s, the music was all about rock. Like yeah. 
Franz Ferdinand, the Strokes, yeah. Powderfinger, uh, Silverchair had just made a return, you know. Then you got Eskimo Joe, Thirsty Merc, but the bigger, the Foo Fighters, like all this stuff is just, it's, it's all rock. And in our first year on radio, we had Katy Perry come in for I Kissed a Girl, first time in, in Australia, first time in the studio, and she's like, oh, this, is, this will be interesting. I'll see how life goes. Rihanna for SOS. Huh. Um, Lady Gaga for Paparazzi. Uh, in studio. In studio. Taylor Swift comes in with her mum playing acoustic guitar for us. Nice to meet you. Hope I that love you, Taylor Swift. You know, she is lovely as I was Lovely, hoping. yeah. Great. So, but you, you she's not. with her mum. She's 19. She's hoping that this, this, this music stuff works out for her. You wow, know, that's cool. So mate. that's four of the going to be probably the biggest stars in the world in yes, pop music. Absolutely. Um that that are just starting out. Obviously, pop music becomes popular. It lives up to its name for a change. And so people are flooding to the station for the music, right when Hamish and I are starting, right when there's very little competition. So there's this wave that we get to surf. And Haim and I look at our content as a, say, a, 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 a board, you know, okay, let's make sure the content stands up so we can take this big wave. That's pretty much so you're, the you're, you're aware enough to recognise nah, that was this coming is your all, way? No, nah, this is all hindsight. Right. <laughs> okay. So, so the, the content itself, take me into the radio show or, you know, hmm. the Smith's chips, the gravy yeah. chips. The phrase, where were you when the people's chip was released, will become as common as the phrase, hey, how are you? And for these people, they'll be able to tell their grandkids that they were on the front line. It was clear how much the gravy chip meant to them. The gravy chip is finally here! (laughs) Finally! The first pack has been released. They're freshly sealed. Oh, wow. Smells good. Oh, my God. It's good. It's good. I don't want to talk. It's going to ruin the flavour. <laughs> like there's some iconic stuff in mm. Australian radio. Do you throw ideas around and both need to agree that it's a good one or can yep. you go with 50%? Like how does the creative process work, mate? Um, for us it was. it's always been two keys turned, unlock, let's go, you know. We, we both surprise each other a lot, So, but we found each, ourselves looking for content that we know will excite the other person. And that's what I feel, you know, I can only speak on my behalf, but mm. I love and I still love finding the bit that will excite Haim and that's the best content. You can't find it all the time, you know, you've got to do my own stories and laughs and so on, but if I can find that seed of an idea where I look, tell him and see the glint in his eye, yeah. that's when I'm like, we're on, this is going to be great. And so we had those surprises, but on the most part, when it came to some of the other, like the funny thing about our radio show which in the planning meeting, we just both spend half the planning meeting outside in the in the in the hallway on our phones, just playing computer games or something. Because I wanted to fill half the show with surprise for him, and he, or maybe a third. He wants to fill half the a third of the show with surprise for me, and then we might discuss a few phone topics and so, so on. So you want that spontaneity? Has to be surprise. Has to be real. Um, and we learned that with regards to a lot of those ideas, and our early producers and program directors would be going. Okay, so what's the end game for this idea? Like, well, we don't know. It's not about the end game. And they couldn't gather, understand that. They just couldn't understand. It's like, we'll build it with the listeners. We'll, like, there'll be better ideas that come in. Thankfully, the show was successful quickly because I worry that if it wasn't, 
whether we'd be more, every idea might have been more under the microscope and we would, or we would have had a dent in our own confidence just to lean into whatever it might yep. come up. But we found that that was going to be the way and carried that to the TV shows as well. We're tight for time, which disappoints me because I've got so many questions for you. I feel like I'm only scratching the surface. You went to Afghanistan, Operation mm -hmm. Radio Storm. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look back on the history of the performers that have gone, started off the Americans did it, and they, you know, their yeah. biggest name performers would go over in the World War II, et cetera. And then you know, Mick Malloy's obviously done it here in Australia and Limo, and, and yourselves have been over there. What type of experience is it? To me, I would imagine it's a tremendous honour to get asked to oh, go absolutely. to that part of the world and, and make absolutely. people happy that are serving the country. Totally. Hamish and I have always, again, coming back to gratitude, just like so grateful for um, our military and armed forces and, um, and you know, whether it, it's not like we're pro-war. This is just a really important job. Um, what we went to, When we went to Afghanistan, it was – Obviously, natural excitement, but there was some quite interesting um, OPSEC situations in the lead up. They were worried what, about what situation? the uh, operational security. Um, Have a listen, you go, GHO, <laughs> OPSEC. Okay. Where they, they were super concerned yeah. that we could be a target, which is them doing their job. Well, you're going into the theatre of war. Mm. And we were in Tarrant Count, which is the, the middle of the whole thing. And so. We weren't allowed to say we were going. We weren't allowed to say when we were going. We had to have our bags packed and we recorded a fake show that made it sound like we were live for that day we went. Huh. So just again, I'm sure, you know, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're not picking up on Taliban radio that, hey, Hamish and Andy are coming down. <laughs> Everyone else listens. I'm sure the Taliban <laughs> were. But... but they, that was the level of Okay, so security. it's serious. It's serious yeah, serious stuff. and also... So we didn't, they, you know, the last thing they want is to, and Hamish and I probably at the height of what, what we were doing, um, they would, wouldn't have wanted anything to happen. So that was fascinating. We had a bags packed and you just get a call and go, we're going. So, all right, wow. So off we go. Huh. As we began our journey, we were secretly pooing our pants. We had been told to put on our body armour and board a C-130 Hercules with 60 other soldiers bound for one of the most dangerous places in the world. Shit. We are about to go to Afghanistan. This is the closest thing you can get to a Kentucky tour in this part of the world. Amazing. A brilliant engineer here at Southern Cross Stereo is called Andrea. Um, yes, yeah. does triple M football. Does triple M football. You, you know her. She's fantastic. When something goes wrong, ring Andrea. Yes, exactly. But hooking up the MCG is slightly different to hooking up Taryn Cow. Well, the other challenge for her is that uh, she's transgender uh, woman yep. and it's illegal in Afghanistan okay. to, to be transgender. So we had that discussion as well. We want to send our best person. But she has to go before everybody because we have to check everything's working. So she had to go by herself into this world. Andrew and did. All, yeah, and also into a military situation, which again, in, in you know, over years there has been some kind of, not in Australia, but, you know, you have these uh, worries with regards to homosexuality and all that stuff has been hot points, particularly over in the US. So brave, far braver of her to go. Mm. She went hooked up an amazing um, uh, situation for us to be able to record the shows. Uh, one thing that was really hard for the recording the shows is if if some if there was an a, an incident, say some people died, um, every 
all the internet, everything gets shut off because they can't have anything being leaked. So similarly, if we were broadcasting and there was an incident, everything just gets cut like that. Immediately. Immediately, which was going to be difficult. We ended up, um, I think we ended up pre-recording one of the shows. We had live shows. I think we ended up pre-recording one of them and it turned out we were lucky because there was an incident. And we, so again, the Hamish now, you like we always talk about. Rambo only needed a red headband, but that won't beat this Taliban. <laughs> Turns out you need more than just one man. I can't believe the movies lied. Hollywood has shocked us again As it turned out not all soldiers are American Slash half robot And here's a record that should be set straight We've seen no one surf on a fighter jet of late So I guess that makes Bruce Willis a lying nod <laughs> And the local dialect makes little sense In the movies they speak English with heavy accents But they've got a national language here too Not that Hollywood news But you get there and it's just The, the conditions are so intense and immense and, and it's, But it's also beautiful You're in these, you know, the mountainscape and uh, all around And um we got to do these shows and, and the soldiers were super grateful and, and an opportunity because, like you said, so many people are listening to the show, you know, one in five. Yeah. Um, you could go, hey, does anyone know anyone here? Do you want to speak to them? And people ring up and go, oh, yeah, my, da- my Dave there is here. I go, do we have a Dave here? And, you and know, they come up. And they come up. Which and so, would mean the world to those people. So you're hearing people connect via, and we'd create these games for them to connect with their family. It was this beautiful time. Um, and Hamish and I called it the giggle bunker we were outside of because, you know, if there was going to be any um, uh, grenades or, or um, uh, uh, missiles coming in, they wanted us to get straight into this bunker during the show. But we had this, there's this beautiful photo, photograph that of just the whole place packed as we do this outside broadcast live back to Australia. And I said to um, one of the, uh, the officers after I said, oh, mate, that was, um, that was awesome. I didn't expect to have this many people here. And he said, yeah, we weren't as protected today as other days. <laughs> 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 Might have been a nice, uh, nice day for the Taliban to have a crack. But, uh, <laughs> Look, I, watched, I watched some of the videos, though, and you, you can see the, the excitement on your man Hamish's face when they let him shoot what to me looks like a freaking tank mortar <laughs> it is. at some boxes. It is a tank. Is, um, not something I expected to see. They literally brought out the big guns. Get it, get it. Oh, oh. Jesus Christ. I think it might be broken. It's making a loud noise. Well, that was also came about quite strangely as well because um, we – one of my mates, uh, I won't say his name because he's, uh, because you'll, you'll know why, but, um, he was goalie for us in, in the hockey gun goalie should have been, we had Lockie Dreyer in our, in our state mm. league level who, who played for Australia and he was underneath Lockie and Lockie was aging. And you're like, Oh, I wonder if they're going to use this fellow, but he always was just sitting this rung below, below state league where I spent most of my time playing hockey. And then. He'd always grow a beard, right? And and he was, you know, he was kind of in his martial arts and he and he's fierce and he'd be growing this beard and it'd get longer and longer for the season. We'd be going, oh, Rich, looking good, looking good. And then suddenly he'd disappear and wouldn't come back. And we're like, oh, what happened? And, he was, and we'd get another goalie for the rest of the year. 
And I was there doing the, the radio show in, in Afghanistan and I look across and get a bit of a glint and a smile and, 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 it's, him. and it's him and he's, he's in the special forces and he could never tell us while he was leaving or when he was leaving. But that was the reason why I was growing these big beards because um, he was, uh, was going uh, <laughs> go um, on tour of duty and, and he said to Hamish and I, hey, come, come with us. You know, uh, we want to show you a few things. And we spoke to the really, really wonderful warrant officer who was taking around and he said, yeah, okay, we, we can do this, but you can't film bits. So we got allowed to film some of those bits, but we went and went and inside the special forces unit, which is a different section altogether and hung out with them and had breakfast with those guys. And um, that was a really special day as well. I've located some hostile crates. And if they don't stop being crates, we're going to engage them. Fire! Firing! The crate has been uh, has been destroyed and no longer poses a threat to our country. Well done, Ham. You'd saved us all. But how did it feel firing the big gun? Like having a really massive penis that fires fireworks. <laughs> now, Andy, as frequent listeners to this show know, my children are heavily involved. In fact, they're better on the show than I am. And they often <laughs> ask a question of the guest. Bring it on. Now, you get my 11-year-old daughter who was a little bit pointed in this question. Really? Because, well, I was telling her that you're just so good at everything and she started to get a bit protective of her dad, which was very, very cute, <laughs> I thought. So she did sledge me on the way. But anyway, here is the question for you Great. from my 11-year-old Sky, who rolls as the pickle. Are you ready? Okay. Hi, Andy. Pickle here. We love the Hamish and Andy podcast and it's a bit more popular than Dad's. <laughs> Anyway, I've seen you on TV, on the radio, and I've listened to your podcast. But what I want to know is, have you ever done any commentary like my dad? Oh, great question, Pickle. Well, she was sort of saying, Daddy, you can't do everything you do. He surely hasn't done commentary. I said, Pickle, this bloke probably has. So hence the question. Uh, I've got two stories for Pickle. Oh, good. But but I'll I'll just pick one. Okay. I got got a call from uh, the BBC asking me for an interview uh, at uh, the Australian Open, um, probably 2010 or something. Okay. And I had a massive night the night before with my mates, <laughs> but I knew that, you know, due to their time difference, I'll be doing it in the evening, I'll be fine. So I went in there and I said to my mates, "Let's." I've booked out another uh, bar for us at the Australian Open. I've got to go to this interview. Let's continue the fun festivities of January. So I got in there and I said to the guy when I got there, hey, mate, how, how long's the interview going to be? I just need to tell my mates what's going on. And he said, oh, it's two hours. <laughs> I said, Jeez. two hours? What do you mean? She's said, in depth. He goes, you're commentating. You're commentating <laughs> the tennis for us. <laughs> so you thought you were going in for a little chat. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I don't know. I, at that point, I didn't done guess whom or anything. I didn't really know anything. I said, I don't know anything about tennis. He's like, well, you've, you've, we've got you commentating alongside and I cannot, I feel rude, but I cannot remember. There was one of the old uh, tennis greats of Britain oh, who no. was an older guy there that was running the commentary room and I was alongside him for special <laughs> comments. And I said, these comments are going to be very special because I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. He said, well, it's live back to, to Britain. Um, and I said, well, I'm not doing two hours. And he said, well, can you give us an hour? I said, Okay. Don't know why I even said, okay, I'll give you an hour, but it felt like a better deal than the two hours. 
So, so I'm commentating the tennis back to BBC, back at Live Australian Sport. Open. Australian Open. It was Djokovic versus someone. Can't remember. I wouldn't have been able to pronounce the surname. And what, what is unlike what I'm used to and what you're very good at is you can call blow by blow and then you can throw to someone and their special comments. I'm used to continuing conversation. That's what Hamish and I do. Yes. So this father, this older, this other fellow's, he's giving a blow-by-blow description of the game and he's like, you know, forehand Djokovic, backhand Russian name, forehand Djokovic. <laughs> and, then, and then he goes, you know, sensational winner, a backhand winner from Djokovic, Andy. And then takes his headphones off oh, no. as he starts looking at more notes and stats, which is what commentators do. And I hadn't really noticed him do that. So I'm like, well, you know, how good is Djokovic? You know, I've just tried, just said something like that. And he's <laughs> blanked me because he's already doing his notes. <laughs> and I think I ended up saying something like, you know, it's what I find interesting is, is the umpire's chair the always the same height around the world? <laughs> around the world. <laughs> so it would have been a long hour for those back in Britain and I must admit I was never asked back. I've got to ask you two questions about that and I'll relay that to the pickle. One, is now YouTube's a wonderful thing. Is there anywhere I could potentially find this goal? No, not televised. Not, no, it was not televised. It was, it was a, a radio, so, BBC so radio. So I need to go to the BBC archives. That might test me. <laughs> Second thing, what I'm fascinated by, we're here at the Big Bash. I'm joined by 128 Test veteran Mark Warren. Beside him, former Australian captain Ricky Ponting. So I give my specials yes. a big pump up. How did old mate introduce <laughs> you in the specials chair? Like an opening bowler from Ball and Subbies or what's he gone with? I think I, think I was a mixture of terrified and hungover, so I can't remember <laughs> how he, uh, he introduced me. I must admit, though, lovely fellow because after that first break that went really bad because I, I said, sorry, I'm used to talking back to you. Do, do you mind if if we start conversation? And he's like, oh, of course, of course. And he was very proper gent and, and he did it. It would have been a much harder hour for him than it was for me and I found it very difficult. Let's get back to Andy. As I said, we're tight for time. Mm. I, I really wanted to talk to you about... Um, we can always do part two, Howie. Well, we might. We, we let's put off part two <laughs> for um, when you blokes went on tour and yeah. did all those crazy stuff. Because yeah. that was me at twenty three. I'd get in the backpack and jump off the bridge or yes. eat the sausage or whatever it was. Yeah. But since we're talking sport, to do something different in a modern sports broadcast is really difficult because everything has been done before. Channel Nine gets the tennis, and you playing your games with the tennis players. Novak. Andy. Let's play. I don't mind watching tennis. I would watch the tennis for that. And I I don't know whose idea it was. Mm. And I was looking back at Novak yesterday, storming out. So what people understand, at first, this is a new idea, and Mm. you've got Serena or Roger or Novak walk in there. You've got a very short period of time to develop some form of rapport and have them trust you. It is extraordinary TV, mate. There's some of the best, if I'd call it sports TV, Mm. that I have seen. Oh, that's that's super kind. Yeah, look, it was daunting. Um, You You don't have long, do you? No. When you talk about little mini triumphs when when ESPN played a few of of them, I was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. Yes. Um, It's such um, a good idea. Yeah. 
I knew I'd, the previous year I'd had an idea that was just too involved. There were some challenges that the, the tennis players were playing, but they couldn't, they didn't have time to get out there. You know, it was only 20 minutes of their time, but it was too long. And so I knew we had to change that to get the big names. Um, and so, yeah, that's when I came up with the idea for, for this guess home game. Um, the, basically we, we were told that we'd get seven minutes tops. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, if, if, if they'll do it at all. So what we did was we, they, all the tennis players, they they are so regimented with their times. Um, but they all have to do an international press conference. They, and in a, in a huge press room, we booked the room next door to that international press conference. To make it easy as possible. Make it as easy as possible, but also got a wonderful, um, a producer called Adam Rowe who works on the front bar. Yep. Um, his job was to loiter in the hallway and say, what time's your presser? Oh, you're here early. Do you want to come in and do this? And it's gutsy <laughs> stuff. Oh, Novak, you've got a couple of minutes. So he's working, the WTA and the ATP, he's working with them as well so we can secure big names, but we're also just trying to get people on walk-up starts. They've got to spare a few minutes. So I knew I could get the game done in seven minutes. Um we walk in, they'd go straight into it. And, you know, there are times where it took a little bit more longer to warm up. Um, but what was great in, for that positioning is anyone standing in the hallway, we're hearing these people laugh huh. and then they walk out and, huh. and, and you have, you know, Medvedev or someone go, Oh, you got to do that. You know, <laughs> you know, you know and, and Novak, he's like, that is the best, that is the best thing I've, you know, and you're hearing those people say that as they leave Yeah, and it wasn't the best thing. But what it was was super different for them. Different. It was just super different. And, and in seven minutes. And in seven minutes. So, yeah, the, the logistics of all that I'm super proud of. Um, and and we did have a lot of fun. We're going to go again ne- the, next year as well. I think just having crowds back, I feel like Channel 9 are very keen for me to do it. I, I feel like it's got one more year in it. Um, you can change the names of the board and, and maybe get some more some more people in there. But um yeah, it was, it's, it's a dawning thing. And Serena Williams was the, the one that took the longest because. Why? Well, I, I kind of get why is she just wanted to, she was summing up, is this person trying to get me? Like, yes. I think that's what happens for a lot of the guests. And we had on the radio show yes, as well. Yes, yes, Bigger yes. names. They're sitting there going, are you trying to trick me essentially? And the sad state of media at the moment is a lot of people are. Yep. Um, you know, the, the, the negative, uh, uh, story gets more clicks. The scandalous is, is, is supreme in that area. Serena Williams blows up at Australian TV host. Yeah. Or even I can say, look at the board and I've, and if people don't know the game, it's basically guess who, but I've replaced it with real people like Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, all these people. And I say, would you like to be stuck in an elevator with this person? Yeah. So the international headline for her is. I don't want to be stuck in an elevator with Donald Trump. And that's the way it'll get reported nowadays. So it was tricky. Hmm. And I choose the questions wisely. One, I can't even remember the player's name, but I didn't know he was from Russia, but he just got, you know, he got asked outside, came straight in. I was like, yeah, let's just play. And I, and. <laughs> oh no. I, Vladimir Putin's there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, would he be good in a boy band or something like that? And he's like, um, yeah, maybe. I'm like, ah, oh, well, Vladimir Putin wouldn't be good in a boy band. He's like, no, no like, you don't say that. You <laughs> no know, like, <laughs> so I couldn't work out. And then I was like, 
<laughs> you know, is this guy sexy or whatever? And he's like, uh, he, he just, his head was exploding going, I don't know how to answer this about Vladimir Putin because obviously things can get a bit more serious when you talk about the Russian president. Um, so it was funny seeing those people feel that. Wozniacki was the same. She felt that I was trying to trick her. And we, I don't think we ended up using her one because... Right. And it was just unlucky. She, you pull out a, she pulls out someone that's controversial where she could have easily just picked out Nick yeah. Kyrgios or Beyonce. But she, she, as soon as she picks out someone that's controversial and I'm asking her questions about that person, it's very difficult to answer. But the ability to develop that rapport, like do you – and I've had to learn to do this more over Zoom with the podcast. Are you a, a smiler? Are you – friendly are you trying to be warm like you've got 30 seconds andy yeah to get this person to think oh he's a nice fella yeah it's 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 a short period of time is it about body language for you yeah absolutely yeah. And, and look it's also just about being feeling comfortable i think when people feel comfortable it tends out to be feel comfortable you know we had a couple of good ones uh, first one was was will arnett i'm not sure if you um Remember, no, Will Arnett, he's, he's the voice of uh, Lego Batman. He's, oh, yes, 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 he's yes. Job in, um, in Arrested Development. Uh, uh, he's, he's amazing. Uh, and uh, when we, I was so excited to meet him, a good former. We've turned out to become mates after, the, after, uh, after all these years. But um, we're waiting around for him to come into a, a hotel because often you go to Junkers Hotels. And Hamish and I went, let's just push the chairs really close together, like, re- like really close together. <laughs> And so Will Arnett comes in and we're like, hey, man, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And, and he doesn't realize we're kind of getting close to this. And then when we sit down, we are kind of like a zip interlocking knees to groin. And he goes, whoa. <laughs> and then we piss ourselves laughing and go, hey, we're fucking with you, mate. We, just, we had time, we're bored. And, and there's the relationship. And there's the relationship. Yeah. And the other one, which is peculiar, is, is Tom Cruise. We, I'd flown to... Career and Hamish couldn't come at a wedding, so I took my best mate Hogs from high school, and we get into the room. and Hogs didn't really understand the movie. It was called Valkyrie. It was about uh, it was a World War Two film, and, and uh, Tom Cruise was playing a German soldier. And um, so you've taken your mate there. I've just taken him. I thought it'd be funny and to I meet said, Tom Cruise. Yeah, I said, mate, just think of three questions about him. Right. <laughs> and so we're sitting there, and just before he walks in, his personal publicist comes in and says, "There'll be no questions about Katie, Katie Holmes at the time. There'll be no questions about Suri, his uh, his child." Um, only questions about the film, no questions about Scientology. It just starts listing this stuff. And I look across at my mate Hawks. He's crossing off his He just has no questions and he's just really, really worrying. And, and I said, don't worry, just think of two questions for the movie. I'll, and I'll get through this. And I went, this is unfair. This is not explained before we left Australia. We are a comedy show. There's no way we're going after anyone. We wouldn't have flown here. With this, our listeners are a pop culture. They they want you know. I'm trying to, and we're arguing. We're arguing. She goes, "Nut, nah, that's it." She storms out, opens the door. Tom Cruise walks in, and I'm looking at our Australian publicist for the for the for the studio, and she's like, "Well, we just answered at the Americans, so we're not going to get them offside just for your little radio show." <laughs> and so Tom comes in. He's really lovely, he's saying hello to everybody, and he turns to me. And goes, and I was dating Megan Gale at the time, and he turns to me and goes, hey, Andy, um, when are you, can I ask, when are you going to marry Megan? And I said, sorry, Tom, you haven't been briefed. There'll be no questions. <laughs> no questions about my personal life. And we had a laugh. And I said, hey, just so you know, your publicist just come in here and said that we can't ask any ah, of these questions. That's and, a gutsy call. And the publicist is just yeah. giving me the death eyes. 
I said, we are a fun, family-friendly show. Comedy and laughter is the goal. I can assure you that if there's anything that I ask that you don't come comfortable, just say pass and I'll cut it out. Just say pass in a monotone voice, I'll cut it out. But otherwise, and he leant in and just grabbed me and just said, Eddie, anything you want. Wow. You go, okay, great. And then Hawks was relieved. <laughs> so he could get a few of his away. Hey, I need to let you get away. Mm, we, sorry. We, no, no, we need to do a second version of this because mm. I want to talk about the trips you did overseas. Yep. But we always finish this show where we're blessed to have a lot of youngsters listening to this show. Yep. Andy, uh, that might want to be a comedian <laughs> or a podcaster or a scientist or a mathematician mm. and they want to achieve some success in their life like you've had tremendous success in your life. Some advice for them to finish. Find a mate that's much funnier than you. <laughs> And, and hold on for dear life. <laughs> Can you find me one? Can you find me one? That's what I need. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. Uh, no, just try. Try stuff. Try as much as possible because Hamish and I tried a lot, a lot off Broadway. And even if no one's watching and no one's there, just keep trying because you want to, to sample all that stuff before it actually meets the big leagues. And that's what that's where the resilience and determination comes in and can you really be bothered you'll go oh no I want the big radio show nah you want the smallest one to try everything mm. find your voice yeah it's great advice as I said at the start I felt like I was Scott Morrison and you were Vladimir Putin <laughs> but you've made me feel comfortable Tom Cruise style so hey mate good luck <laughs> cheers, the podcast buddy. Hamish and Andy on listener is outstanding thanks for joining me on the show stay safe cheers buddy Cool episode. Really, really cool episode. How about some of those stories Andy told? What a lovely bloke, unaffected by his huge success and just loves sport, absolutely loves it. Thanks to Andy for coming on a podcast that doesn't have two million downloads a month. And to Das, our man's pretty happy this week because he gets to edit his favourite podcaster twice, once for the Hamish and Andy show and once for this little operation. Wherever you are, I hope the sun is shining on you. Stay safe until next Tuesday with a really, really interesting customer, Globetrotter Tony Wheeler of Lonely Planet fame. Peace and love. Listener.